Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and on this occasion I am joined by Duncan Mackay. Hello. Howdy. And Tom Watt. Hello. Don't know if I match, match that hello from Duncan. That was a, that was I don't mix. know where that came from because I've been in a foul mood all day, but uh, maybe it's just the thought of chatting Scottish football with, with my good friends. Oh, that's nice, Aww. Duncan. All downhill from here. I know you're lying, but <laughs> in the words of Marge Simpson, I choose to take that literally. <laughs> right, uh, this show we're kind of mixing up. So the last couple of Thursdays we've done the kind of we've done a reward show from last season in, in different parts. Uh, obviously, very late that because we we couldn't actually do it last at the end of last term as we typically do because of one thing and another. So on this one, I thought with the Scotland doubleheader, we'd park that for at least a week. And look forward to the game against Israel, which is Friday night. And then we'll also get to the next in our countdown of the 50 most memorable Scotland matches of all time. And I'm just realising now that I forgot to look up which number this is. I'll maybe do oh, that. We're well beyond that. No, no one knows. <laughs> and to be fair, we're not like at top 20 yet, so it's not like anybody's really... Nobody really gets bothered. But no one's going to be that upset being like, God damn, it's number 36 when I wanted to be 34. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I might not even bother. Now that you've said that, I might not even bother. You know? <laughs> but we'll begin by basically having a kind of debate uh, about what our preferred Scotland team should be for Friday's match. So we'll all come with a different team. So we'll kind of go through it position by position. Uh, but firstly, I'm going to ask, what uh, formation have you guys gone for? Duncan? I've gone for... Uh... Four one three one one. 
Oh yeah. Almost a champ manager classic, but not quite. Is there wingers in that? Does that add up to 10? Eh, there's wingers enough. Like, well, yeah, it adds up to 10. Don't worry, I checked that. <laughs> so, um, right, yeah. so it's wide players. So you've got three. So yeah, you basically... It's adapt- It's fluid. You know, it's, it's fluid. You're kind of, you're, um, you're the Hearts uh, team under Jeffries uh, and uh, I think maybe Sergio as well, where you've got, You've got your back four, and you've got your designated sitting midfielder who does nothing except for sitting in front of the back four. And you've got your You'll never eight. guess who that is. <laughs> you know, you've got your is it Adrian Mrovic? I like those hearts. <laughs> or Darren Barr. He's eligible. Uh, then you've got your uh, your Ian Black type as the number eight, and then you've got your Rudy Scatchel. Yeah, right. kind of. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I've got, I, I, it's not in tribute to hearts, but uh, yeah. I've got similar, I've got a four two three one, but one of the players, the two sitting midfielders, one's more of a number eight and the other one's a number six. So I've pretty much got the same as you. Tom? I've I guess it's kind of a four five one, four three three. Cool. So or yours is, four four five one. So yours is more kind of Rangers type, but a bit more spread out in the wings. Yeah, one one out and out winger, one wide player, we'll call him. Okay. Right, so let's begin at goalkeeper. Who has everybody got? Duncan, who have you got? I've got David Marshall. Give me your reasoning. Uh, I mean, I could uh, I could have been persuaded by John McLaughlin because he's had a, a good start to the season, but you know the phrase like, um, no one gets fired for giving the contract to IBM? Like, no, <laughs> like, like no one's, like, Steve Clark's not going to be uh, thought of badly for starting David Marshall on goals. Like, it's a fairly safe option uh, you could you could argue you know, if he puts John McLaughlin and he has a howler then it'll be easily criticised whereas Dave, if Dave Marshall has a howler people say well that was uncharacteristic so that's kind of my thinking there uh, in terms of what I would do and what I think Steve Clark will do as well Yep, I think that's fair I've got David Marshall as well and beside every one of my picks I've got like lots of detail about why the only thing I've got beside David Marshall is incumbent and I think <laughs> I, I think there, there is an argument for McLaughlin. I think he started the season very well. He's obviously played more football more recently than than David Marshall have has. But he's he's kind of a, he's got the position. He's not done anything to merit not having the position. So yeah, I'd start him. And I think as well, I, I'm good for Marshall. You know, I, I, I was very very strongly uh, considering changing to McLaughlin. I'm not for two reasons. One. Scotland have had a lot of problems in defence, as we know about, mainly because we don't have very many talented defenders, uh, at least not who, at least not players who aren't fullbacks. And I think what we need is continuity. And Marshall's been the goalkeeper now since McGregor retired, and we may as well be looking to continue that and not change it up for for little reason. And those, like you say, the only reason to pick McLaughlin really is that he has been playing football more recently. Another reason you can maybe say is that. If you're looking towards the future, I think McLaughlin is about five or six years younger than Marshall. And by that reasoning, I think, oh, actually, maybe not even that much. I think he's only four years younger than him. Now that I look at Marshall, still 35, so he could have a good few years left. So, yeah, you can maybe say, like, oh, McLaughlin might eventually take the goal, keeping gloves from him uh, in the next couple of years. So maybe let's make that change now. If, it, if you don't think it's enough between the players, I'd still think, though, that Marshall's probably better of the two, considering the kind of the levels he's been playing at recently. Whereas uh, McLaughlin, yeah, he's done a good job for Rangers, but was in League One until, you know, he made the, the switch up uh, from Sunderland. 
And the other and would, he, would he be in contention had Al McGregor not been injured as well? Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. a good point. And the other reason that you would say is that, you know, McLaughlin played last weekend and Marshall hasn't played because the, the season hasn't started yet. But Marshall's last game was on July 22nd. That's only uh, seven weeks. Yeah, it's not that long. Yeah, it's like if he was injured for two months, you wouldn't hesitate to bring him back in if if he was your clear number one. So you shouldn't really be thinking about like, oh, he's been playing recently. So it's not it's not enough of a layoff. If Marshall hadn't played since March, then I would say yeah, yeah, start McLaughlin. But otherwise, no, I I don't really. And 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 I'm assuming we're seeing that uh, McCrory is a distant third. Oh yeah, fuck I. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. want. Mc, I don't. I really don't want Robin McCrory to see any minutes. I, I'm very happy for him to be in the squad, just to be brought along as someday. It's like, look, this is what you could. This is part of your development. Here. Yes, this, yeah. this is to aim, this is what to aim for in the future. But no, I've not seen him anywhere near well, enough from him well, at Levy to suggest he's anywhere close enough to getting a game for Scotland yet under under like deserving to do so. Under one of, for a few years' time, for the Sparkle quiz of Scotland goalkeeper, third choice goalkeepers who have zero caps. <laughs> God. I know, even Nicky Walker got Scotland got a Scotland cap. Oh, God. Yeah. Jack Hamilton. There you go. There's an answer for mm. that quiz. Yeah, Jimmy Langfield. Uh, there's, there's, there's been a good few of them. There's been a good few of them. Right. So let's go to the defence. We'll go with the. We'll go with the kind of. Problem position and and meaning it's it's not really a problem, <laughs> but because we're Scotland, we make it a problem, and that's left back. Duncan. So yeah, I've got I've got an Andy Robertson left back, not centre midfield. No, no, I've put him <laughs> left back because he's our captain and he is a left back. Uh, uh, I don't know if you really have to say much more. Than that. No, no, it's like. <laughs> Um, he's just won the league uh, in England, and he's pretty fucking good. Like, um, again, I suppose there's always that. There's always those calls being like, maybe you could try him a bit further, one of him or Tierney further forward. Um, but he's, he's not good know. further forward. No, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the problem. Also, like, I would much rather just Robertson concentrates on having a good performance for Scotland than bombing forward because his deliveries the last few games have been fucking atrocious. Um, <laughs> And so I think I would want to see him build build up his confidence. And that sounds mental to say that about someone that's just won the, the, the Premiership but, uh, or the Premier League. Um, but just to have a, a, a good, solid performance as Scotland captain, I think that um, to begin with, I think we could maybe say the captain's armband was a bit of a... felt like it was not too big for him, but um, he certainly took on greater responsibility with it that, that, that probably diminished what his natural game was. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I kind of feel like that. Yeah, um, I, I have also got Andy Robertson for roughly the sim, similar sort of media. I mean, obviously, he's our captain. I've gone for a back four. He's used to playing in a back four. But on top of that, when you get down to all the other arguments that have been around it, Andy Robertson is arguably the best left back in the world. <laughs> yeah, like we've got, we, we it's 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 embarrassing the riches and the possibilities that we've got. That you know, you get down to like Scotland's fourth and fifth choice left backs, and we would be pretty happy if we had anyone at that level who was able to play on the other side. It, you know, we, it is embarrassing that we an embarrassment of riches there, but we arguably have the best left back in the world at the moment. 
you know, he playing in a in a team. He's he's won the European Cup recently. He's won the Premier League at a canter with a a record points gap recently. He's a key part of a, a Liverpool team that are, you know, maybe not this season, but over the last few years have been the best team in Europe. Um, I think he's used to playing in a back four. He's a left back. He should be Scotland's left back. I don't have anything else to add for myself, but uh, before we move on, Duncan, what were we going to say? I was going to say, you could you, you make an easily argument for top 10, if not top five, of the, the two Scotland having two of the best in the world in that position, which is frankly mental. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like when Brazil always used to produce amazing right backs, other than the fact that Brazil also used to produce amazing players everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Like the Brazil fifth <laughs> choice right back was always someone that played for like Lazio or. or, or you know, Porto and was amazing, but could never and had it. four caps. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, also they did have other options elsewhere, so it's not quite like that, but sort of. From the I was trying to think of uh, any other comparisons with other countries that made a bit more sense, but I couldn't really think of one, so we'll just move on right back. <laughs> Don't care if you go right back. Right back. I've gone with uh, Liam Palmer because I was I was tempted by um, Ryan Jack because he has played there before, but not obviously not recently. But I thought, given I'm not going to give away, well, I'm just going to give away, that given that I've, I've shoehorned Tierney into this back four as, as the left-sided centre half, uh, I thought I didn't really want to have a half of my uh, back four playing in their unnatural position. So that's what I've, I've settled on, on Liam Palmer. I still... Not entirely 100% convinced. I think there are, the, 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 that position is his sewn down, but um, yeah, I'd like to see him give it a go. Yeah, I've gone same early in Palmer. I, I don't think he's as good an attacking option as like Stephen O'Donnell, for example, but he's solid defensively. And when I'm looking at who might be playing ahead of him, I think it makes more sense to have... Is, is, is he not as good an attacking option for Scotland as Stephen O'Donnell? Stephen O'Donnell's I, never looked like a good attacking option for Scotland. And I quite, like the look at, I quite like the look of Palmer. I, I think, I, I mean, I think, he, I think he's, he is certainly a more, a better rounded player, all, all, all things considered. I think when I've seen O'Donnell at his best, and maybe that's just league, you know, he hasn't necessarily had the... The, the the same translation into, into international football, but I think when he's at his best at, at, at club level, he is a very very good attacking threat. He's like a fullback who arrives late in the box and things like that is 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 a nice thing to have. I think though, Palmer's a very good all rounder. He's solid defensively. Also thought thought about Ryan Jack, but I think I, I'm, the basis of this team and the basis of all my selections are kind of the. For the last few like eighteen months ago, Scotland lost to Kazakhstan, and there's an awful lot of people who are like, "What we should try and do is play a back three with one recognised centre back, and we should have a false nine, and we should play." play. And it's like, we we or you could just play players in the positions. We could just play players in the positions that they're acquainted with, and and unfortunately, regardless, we've got a bunch of very good players at the moment who are not even in the squad, let alone. Uh, like the, let alone getting near the eleven. So I think I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible because we're not there yet. So yeah, Palmer right back for me. I um, I've still not even made up my mind on this. I'm going to go just for the 
the basis of debate, I'm going to go for Tierney then. Uh, I had originally picked Palmer, but I didn't have Tierney in my team. And I'm kind of, I'm just stuck between, like, should you, obviously, Kieran Tierney is a better defender, better footballer, uh, will have a much better career than Liam Palmer. So you kind of think, well, it's stupid to leave it Tierney and have Palmer in the team instead. But then how good is Tierney's career if he's forced to play right back for his entire career and he's not, he's really not right footed. He's not, he's not the most two footed of defenders. He definitely favours his left foot. So it, it does kind of take away some of what makes him good. But I didn't necessarily hate Tierney when he played at right back before. There was a couple, it was one or two games where he didn't have a great performance, but I think overall he'd done all right there. And I think the potential is there for him to do a better job there than Palmer. If he gets more used to position, if when his career progresses, he gets more comfortable on his right foot as well. And I think just if, going forward, if you have to, unless Scotland and Steve Clark is going to play a, a back three, and for what we saw of his Kelly team and what we've seen from him as a Scotland manager so far, he, he seems to prefer a four, then I just I don't have quite enough faith in Tierney to be a centre-back as part of a two. And therefore, I think it's about maybe about time that we experiment with Tierney at right back again. Because uh, otherwise, it just seems a bit daft to, to leave him on the bench. I think we at least need to try it another time and see if we can get some sort of production out of him on the right side as we would if he was playing on the left. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. Like I, I, don't, yep. I don't hate it. Um, and also, I think where I think the issue was with Kim Tierney is that he's he's not really ha- he seemed to he now seems to be through the worst of his injury problems, and he uh, that that final month or so at Arsenal at the tail end last season, he really came into his own uh, and you know, held down the position and also looked brilliant. So that's something to, to look forward to. He's now, um, he's now no longer being pumped full of drugs as his body falls to bits so they can win a home game against Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, there's, the element of that is true also. Yeah, I'm totally that's, that's, what you meant to say, that's what you meant to say when you say he's over his injury problems. <laughs> Uh, right, set of halves, Duncan. You've got Tierney as one. Who's your Tierney other? and Cooper. Cooper, right. Um, mainly because I don't like Declan Gallagher or Scott McKenna. Uh, and then that, that, that really doesn't give you an awful lot of options. Um, I, I think McKenna is getting... He's not as bad as he was last season. He seems to be a bit more solid so far uh, this season. Um, Declan Gallagher... Like you know, if you're basing it on on how people have played the season, then Ryan Porter should be uh, getting a, a a call up ahead of Declan Gallagher. And I don't think he, I just I also don't see much point in playing Declan Gallagher because I don't see what the I, I think he's hitting his ceiling. If that makes sense, like there's no no point in playing. Well, there's yeah, he's, sometimes he's, he's, a point well, in playing someone, but like at this point, like he's not going. I can't see him getting any better. So yeah, why would you not? There's already kind of signs of that this season that there's a bit of a regression from him. And last year was was going to be the apex of his career, the, the yeah. peak of his career. And he's 29 years old, so it's not like we're bringing somebody in and saying, well, we'll play him because in a few years he's going to get better. This is very likely to be it for Gallagher in terms of how high he will go in football. And the fact that he's not started off the season pretty well is a bit of a red flag. And if you're choosing between 
you know, him, Cooper, McKenna, he's probably, certainly for me, he's third in that list now. Yeah, so I, I would I would take the risk with Tierney. Okay, he's not great at defending set pieces and things like that, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think you, you, that's the risk you take, but you'd much rather have him than, uh, than Gallagher and McKenna. Tom? I've gone McKenna and Cooper in the same sort of keep it simple, stupid idea. Um, I th- this does mean that I don't have Kieran Tierney in my team. I-, I would have been open to him playing right back, but again, I've tried to just keep this as simple as possible. I think the idea of a back three may, Scotland may come around to that. I don't. It's not in Steve Clark's DNA, but we do have the players to do it. And if Kieran Tierney is part of the left side of a back three in future, I think that makes sense. We have struggled to get two defenders on the same wavelength over the last few years. The idea that with a couple of months' notice and suddenly deciding that three is in vogue, that we're going to be able to get three to do the same is is kind of far-fetched for me. I mean, it, it, it's not just in the left-backs, but that it's frustrating. We've got an abundance of left-sided players, like the left-sided centre-backs. You know, McKenna's a left-sided centre-back naturally. Cooper's a left-sided centre-back naturally. Even going further down the list, like Taylor, Mulgrew, uh, Andy Constantine was talked about before a call-up. I know he's a mile off that now, probably. But all of them have played at a good level recently. All of them left-sided centre-backs. I've gone for two left-sided centre-backs because they are centre-backs, and I believe they are the best two natural centre-backs we've got. I think McKenna start like he had a bad season last year. I've said before, I don't even think he was the. I think he was the third best centre-back at Aberdeen. Um, I think he started the season much, much more strongly. He's um, he looks he's actually looked very comfortable in in the back three when they've been uh, when Aberdeen have played like that. But I think his positional sense looks a bit better. He's keeping things simple, and I don't think he's been the the root of problems for Scotland. Cooper, there's been quite, I, I don't really know. There's certainly been rumours as to why he's not been more involved in Scotland games, and uh, the fact he's captaining a Premier League team is enough for most to get him in. I think I would always shout Grant Hanley uh, to suggest that's maybe not a good enough reason on its own, but had a very good season. Uh, similarly, I don't think Gallagher's been good enough this year to, to merit a, a sort of natural left and right pairing. But I think I personally, if I'm going to play the two, I'm keeping this as simple as possible and I'm trying to keep everyone in a, as close to what they know while we you know, while we, we put a team together. Uh, so, yeah, that's my back two. The left-sided centre-back complaint is really something that gets on my nerves because nobody ever says it about two right-sided centre-backs. It's only when it's two left-sided centre-backs that anybody actually talks about that being a problem. It's because lefties are weird. <laughs> so I, 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 yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, all so, right Boris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so I withdraw my own complaint and I am now saying that I've got it absolutely spot on. Uh, I'm going with both. I'm just going with the same as you, uh, Cooper and McKenna. I don't know a lot about Cooper, but as you kind of say, uh, well, there is the Grant Hanley uh, red red flag. Uh, it, it does suggest that he is a better player than Declan Gallagher, the fact he is a captain of a team that will be pre- playing in the English Premier League this coming season. And yeah, and also uh, to go to your point, Scott McKenna deserves it above Gallagher for his performances to, to start this season, even though... I've really hated Scott McKenna in a Scotland shirt for the most part. He gets he gets a couple of more chances in my book, and then I don't care who and then, else. And then exile. And then anybody, anybody else could come into the team instead of him. 
<laughs> Paul Hanlon, get him in. <laughs> well, another Ryan left must be another, another left-sided. <laughs> uh, right, so we're into midfield now. So we've all got three centre midfielders, so can we just go with them each? Duncan, who's your three? So, well, you see, this is this is where mine throws a, a kind of spanner work. I have a sitting, I have my, my one is a sitting midfielder, and that is Scott McTominay. And then I have... But you do, we went through it earlier, you do have three centre midfielders. You have, you have a number six, a number eight, and a number ten. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, so my, my, uh, yeah, so six McTominay, eight is McGinn, and ten is Christie. Tom? Interesting. Uh, I've got McGinn, McTominay and McGregor my middle three. Okay, I have McGinn, McTominay and Armstrong. Interesting. Right, I'm going to, I'll go first. I'll submit this first. thing. Yes, so McTominay, I think that doesn't really necessarily need to be said. I think maybe the other suggestion I wouldn't be against is using Callum McGregor as a kind of playmaking number six. We are at home in Israel. We are the team that's fancied to win this game. We should have possession. If we have McGregor as a six, he'll certainly help facilitate that. And I would certainly not be against that at all. I think Celtic should start playing him there because Scott Brown looks pretty much done uh, at the top level. And I just think he's quite, I think he's very good at that position in terms of just the way he kind of controls games with his, his movement and his passing. Ahead of him, I uh, would have Armstrong. I always uh, prefer Armstrong in a, in a deeper role as uh, coming, from, coming from further away rather than playing as a number 10. I think he's, his greatest attribute is his ability to drive through with the football. And the reason I've got him over McGregor in the number eight spot is because I, well, McGregor's been shit for Scotland for the most part. <laughs> and uh, as McGinn is a 10, it's a toss up between him and Christie, but i probably going to play my hand a little here. I've got Christie elsewhere. Uh, kind of sure hauling him in a position that he's not necessarily that comfortable in, but he's certainly more comfortable in it than he is as a fucking striker. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, similar kind of reasons. I mean, for for me, I would have a McGregor deep. I mean, it was him or I think Ryan Jack's more kind of keep it simple. Um, but I think all round, I, I take the point that McGregor's been pretty pretty shocking for Scotland recently. Um, but as in game, in you know, but an awful lot of these these elevens have not necessarily recognised as we're playing the the, the double headers against a team of definitely inferior players and a team of players that aren't necessarily that much better than us, if at all. So I don't think there's necessarily, we need to you know, set up some sort of tactical masterclass to do something clever against them. Um, yeah, I, I think McGregor was, was kind of my second player. I think McGinn at the moment has to play. He's maybe not Scotland's most all-round talented player. Um, he's had the best games for Scotland in the same way that McGregor hasn't uh, and McTominay uh, you know I don't think there needs to be a huge amount of argument as to why, why he's in as well I didn't have Armstrong for like I think there is a very good argument that he works and is a more balanced would be a more balanced option with them but he's not played as recently um, he, he's, he finished the season really well um, and I think he, like you say he probably is a little bit more balanced but he, I think Possibly he ha- he hasn't played since the end of July, 
Well, you, either way, that's, we're going to be leaving. Everybody, it. is it not? <laughs> well, oh, the, wait, McTominay's McTominay's had European games. McGinn, right. uh, I think you've got to play him because regardless, um, but McTominay played a a month ago or so, uh, and, and McGregor's obviously up to speed. But regardless, that that centre midfield, we're going to be, we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm leaving out. John Fleck, who had a fantastic season last year, you're leaving out Kenny McLean, who had a like very good season despite Norwich being pish, and, and Armstrong, who I think ended the season fantastically well. It's another area where we've got a lot of options. I think uh, for me, it just comes down to the fact that, I mean, if Callum McGregor went to the English Premier League, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a better career down there than Armstrong. But I just think for Scotland, Armstrong consistently plays quite well and McGregor mm. is consistently pish. But I do I think, think that McGregor will start because I think Clark prefers McGregor. I think that's entirely fair. That's probably <laughs> likely, yeah. Duncan? Yeah, I, th- I think mine are fairly self-explanatory. McTominay, because you just like that, um, the guy that keeps it ticking over but can do something as well. He's not just a destroyer. McGinn, for his energy, although I'm assuming that he'll probably be blown out his arse after about 70 minutes. Uh, and then Christie, just because I think he's really, really good. It's not much more than that. And then I've, I have uh, shoehorned Armstrong into uh, out on the wing. Or out wide. Oh, wow. Oh, you have you, right, okay. Armstrong wide left. Fucking hell, Ronnie. Well, I, I'm so wide left with Forrest on the right, but with the possibility that they can they can move around. Like the, I, I think that 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 potential is potential for Forrest, Christie, and Armstrong to interchange because I'm just a maverick like that. Steve Clark should have me on the bench. That's... <laughs> uh, I right, I've said I've gone for Christie wide left. I I just yeah kind of. I think he's played there maybe a bit more recently than Armstrong. Uh, he's, he's more adaptable as well. Let's be honest. Like he's he is. If you have to shoot, uh, he's a player that's happy to be shoehorned. If that makes sense. Yeah, and what I was saying, like my my favourite thing about Armstrong is his ability to drive through, and I prefer him doing that from deep uh, rather than kind of in an advanced role. And I think it becomes a little bit redundant when you're wide because you're supposed to do that anyway. Everybody who plays wide is supposed to do that. So it doesn't become as much of an attribute. So I don't really like Armstrong on the wing as much as Christie. Also, a lot of Christie's game is he's kind of work rate from the front. He can still do that if he's wide left. He can tuck in. I think he's a more elusive player than Armstrong. So he can drop into these areas if he kind of he moves in centrally. And yeah, I think that's... I was going to say he's got a good finish on himself, but Armstrong's great for distance and all. So there's not really too much difference for them there. Right on the right, I take it we've all got James Forrest. Yep. yep. Tom, you want to even give us um, reasons why maybe not? <laughs> or, or... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, so I've got Forrest on the right. Hasn't I don't think he's been particularly brilliant for Scotland either, but I think he scores goals and changes games and you've got to start with him. Um, and I've scored got, a hat-trick against Israel last and, time and we had this figure. Yes, yeah. this, is, this is true. Uh, has, has, has previous. Um, I've got Ryan Christie wide left. Um, obviously natural player but if you've got and it isn't going to like hit the byline or anything like that with, with great regularity but if you've got a attacking fullback who does what he does for, at club level then theoretically you've got a marauding left back and you've got a left sided attack player who can kind of tuck in play off the striker uh, and is like Red Christie's just great to watch he's, he's one of Scotland's most creative players just um, 
and it, it does kind of give you the option to play him. If you want it to be complicated, you could you can play inverted wingers and have Christie coming inside and Forrest coming inside the other way. So I, I think there's a lot in that. Um, a couple of diff- just a, a a way of stretching the play a little bit. Um, so yeah, I've got Christie wide left and Forrest wide right. Up front, are we moving on to the striker? Yeah, I feel this might be a little bit redundant. Um, can I ask the one you... striker we've got in the squad? <laughs> can I ask who would you have picked if? None of the strikers pulled out. Uh, Lee Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not included him. <laughs> of the original squad named. You'd have played Ryan Christie up front, surely. That's what you, that's what you definitely do if you're needing a big win uh, in a crucial match. And when he's shit, you'd play him again in the follow-up game against the Czech Republic. <laughs> um, I think that's a, that's a really good question. I am... Um, in no way, shape, or form, a fan of Ollie McBurney. I don't think he's good. I, I don't. It's not even that I don't think he's a twenty million pound player. I just and or that I don't think he's turned up for Scotland or there's anything to do with his, you know, comments he's made for. I just don't think he's very good. His his um, his goal record last season for a very good Sheffield United side was marginally better than Callum Patterson's was for an absolutely hopeless Cardiff side the season before, and he was playing up front. So I, I don't think I think I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of, and I haven't seen what he do, like. I don't think that I think he's he's awkward, but I'm kind of interested to see what Dykes does anyway. So I, I'm, I have Lyndon Dykes as my as my main striker. Same. Um, Same. I Get him would, capped. Would I, would I have started him had everyone else been fit if it was me? Probably. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would have definitely started him. I think he's the, the striker who suits the, the Scotland team more than the rest of them. We've got, as we've just been through, we've got a number of goal-scoring threats from midfield. And we don't necessarily need our, our striker to, to score goals. We need our striker to facilitate and hold the ball up. And and be a nuisance. Yeah, be a nuisance. Yeah. Occupy all position defenders. Make it hard for them. And that's what Dykes does. And I think he suits the Scotland team more than anybody else at disposal. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could, you could... I could see an argument. I don't agree with it, but I could see an argument of uh, tomorrow night starting Ollie Burke on the basis that he's an athlete and will run, and will run them ragged for you know an hour sixty five minutes, and then you bring on Dykes as they're tiring, but I, I still that that requires yeah. you to play Ollie Burke for sixty sixty five minutes, and um yeah I'm the only thing Ollie Burke will run ragged is himself after he's chasing after his own touch. Yeah, that's the problem. Is I can I don't think I can deal with a whole hour of exasp of of watching his second touch being a tackle. <laughs> I'd quite like to see Burke again on the wing. I, th- I do think he's that's his. He's best direct. Position. Yeah, I think I think there's an, the, the, there has to be something there. But he played um, that whole season in La Liga, starting most caused, weeks. He caused Real Madrid all sorts of bother. I don't, you know that that's. There are not. Is that many. something? <laughs> that is something. I think it probably says an awful lot about Real Madrid on that particular <laughs> day than it does about Oli Burke, and that's maybe unfair. But that, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something about him, and it's, it's no problem whatsoever with him being in the squad. But I think you'd probably want to throw him on in the hope that something happens rather than start him on the basis of evidence that some, he can do mm. something. Whereas I think 
that there is no evidence for what, like, is it? Dykes has got a huge step up again. And in the, in the space of 18 months, he's had several steps that he's had to take and has passed every test. So I think everyone kind of wants to see him. There was angling for him all last season to, to, um, to be a Scotland player rather than an Australian player. And he's decided this is where it, it lies. Uh, he caused very good Premier League teams in Scotland problems. He, you know, caused Celtic no amount of bother last season and uh, they've dealt with better strikers than him in their time. So I'm very keen to see what he does and I totally agree that he's the sort of player that will create gaps and cause problems and if we've got a midfield of the talent that we do, then I think he fits the squad much better. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. Obviously, it would be too soon for a call-up, but... um, Fraser Hornby going to Ligue 1 is quite exciting just by, just because, again, he is a different type of striker. And I would I think that we're never... Like, Scotland has never, like I've said this a few times, has never been blessed with good strikers at international level. Like, I think, I think even Dennis Law and Kenny Dalglish's scoring record is not brilliant for a, a time where they were regularly playing... Uh, Wales and Northern Ireland as well, like you know, the, the, like uh, when they were really bad. Um, so the idea that we're, it would let's be honest, it would it would be transformational if Scotland were to suddenly have a, a striking talent that off the likes of um, uh, Pelly, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean, like the greatest player of all time. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, but you know, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Berbatov. Yeah, exactly. Or a, a Yang Collar, you know. But um, that, yeah, we, or, <laughs> we dropped quite a bit there. We went from Pele yeah. to Berbatov to Yang fucking Collar. Somewhere in the middle, anywhere in that, anywhere in that parameter, though. Anywhere Anyone that. that's a nuisance in international football, that's essentially all I'm looking for. <laughs> I'll take fucking Milan Barish at the moment. Yeah, exactly. He was, I, I was thinking of him. He's good at international level. He Unforgivable for wearing the number five, though, as a, as yeah. a striker. Right, well, uh, so that's us done. Our team will get to the next uh, in our series of most memorable Scotland matches after yeah. this break. Support for the Terrace Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched in the UK, and you could be one of the first men in the country to experience their life-changing products. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you because from personal experience, my balls are thanking me. I'm somebody who likes to keep trimmed down there, but we all know with scissors, one slip and you can end up in the emergency room, you know, at best case scenario with a very embarrassing story. So nobody wants that. There's no nicks. It's, it's a very easy thing to use. And I felt nice, fresh, clean down there afterwards. You also get some other products that come with it, such as ball deodorant, which I was a bit skeptical at that way, but I used it. It's anti chafing you smell great perfect product so just a reminder that is 20% off and free shipping with the code terrace at manscaped.com 20% off free shipping manscaped.com use the code terrace it's time to shave those balls and we're back right has anybody looked yet to see what number we are in this 28 (laughs) is it 28 something (laughs) something like that 
<laughs> you don't know either. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if we've done, have we done we'll, 22 we'll do, so far? We'll call it 21. We'll just refer to it as a different 20 every time, and one of them will be right. <laughs> 21st. It's 33, right? The, the 28th <laughs> no, no, the yeah, Just, uh, the just number. No, no, no. Yeah. Right, so this match comes from the 25th of May, 1985. Five. And the number one in the US Billboard chart uh, according to my research, was The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. Yeah, but in the UK it was 19 by Paul Hardcastle. It's f- no, 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 19. I think I also, referen- to- also referenced in Phoenix Nights. Do you know what? Wonderful. I actually looked at the wrong year. <laughs> so that's, that's very useful. Uh, do you have the rest of them, Duncan? Do you have the, the, the box office? Oh no, I didn't do that. I just year. I just checked the number one, and it was I was glad that for once it was a song that I, I recognised, and then also it had been, as I said, referenced in uh, Phoenix Nights and one of the songs that Daniel Kitson plays uh, to a bewildered looking bingo audience. So uh, yeah, I've, I've completely arsed this up. I've gone with 1986, but I do have the US box office. I've just brought it up on my phone now, and at the time of this game, the number one was Code of Silence. Never heard of it. Uh, but two days later, it was uh, taken over by Rambo First Blood Part 2. What of Silence is a Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris classic. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's not shite, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's Chuck Norris doing Chuck Norris films. Right, uh, the attendance at Hamden was 66,439. It was probably said the game. Eh? It was uh, Scotland-England, uh, uh, the Rouse Cup, the first ever uh, Rouse Cup game. Uh, it taken over from the home championships, which were disbanded uh, the year prior. Uh, the year before that, I think, is when Scotland and England said that they were wanting to pull out of the tournament. Uh, it was they were. I mean, I think they gave reasons as to why, but cash. It was, Sorry, it was, um, it was purely it was purely for money reasons because the only, the only fixture that really drew a big crowd was Scotland v England and. You know, uh, yeah, I think in the, in, they said that in the final year of the home championships that the Scotland-England game had uh, a greater attendance than all the other games combined. Yeah, because I did see that like the England, it was like England-Northern Ireland game had like 15,000 at it. So maybe a bit under. To be fair, in 1985, I can kind of understand why people might not want to go to an England <laughs> versus Northern Ireland game. The, um, match, the match was... Yeah. Su- Supposed to be at Wembley, but was moved yep. due to fears of potential crowd trouble if it was held in England on a bank holiday weekend. It wasn't a bank they, holiday weekend in Scotland, so they moved it up there. Because they reckoned that 50,000 Scottish fans would go to the game, um, whereas only 300 England fans made it uh, in 1985 to, uh, to the game. But Should I think I what was interesting, we say that 66,000 <laughs> uh, was the attendance. But that wasn't, Hamden wasn't at capacity. Hamden's capacity at that point was 75,000. So this idea that um, Scotland versus Scotland v England games were always sold out and kind of the hottest ticket in town um, isn't the case. So let me go through the Scotland team. We had Leighton Goals, a back four of Richard Goff, Alex McLeish, Willie Muller, Morris Malpass, midfield of Gordon Strachan, Roy Aitken, Graham Sooners, and Jim Bett. And up front was David Speedy. And Stevie Archibald, the subs were Alan Ruff, uh, somebody McLeod. <laughs> Murdo Murdo McLeod. 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 Uh, Paul McLeod. came on for Speedy. Paul McStay, Boris Johnson, Paul Sturrock. Uh, England's 11 was Shilton, Anderson, Samson, Hoddle, Fennick, Butcher, Robson, Wilkins, Haightley, Francis, Barnes, with Waddle and Lineker on the bench. 
Now, the game was without a few stars. Trevor Stephen, Andy Gray, Graham Sharp, Kenny Douglas, Steve Nicol and Alan Hansen all missed out due to a combination of Everton playing Coventry and Liverpool playing Juventus in the European Cup final a few days later. Scotland were managed by Jock Steen, who sadly passed away three and a half months later, and England were managed by Bobby Robson. Scotland won 1-0. I was going to say this was Jock Steen's last ever trophy, but obviously that was you had to tell people the result first. Yeah, Scotland won 1-0, yeah. thanks to a header from <laughs> Richard Goff in the 69th minute. Nice. Uh, what was interesting to me was that there were, uh, across the 22, there were more players from... Uh, Sampdoria, there was more players from Milan, there was more players from Barcelona than there was from Rangers which I think is an indication of actually how bad I mean this was a year before Sunis returns from, Sunis was one of the Sampdoria players alongside Trevor Francis Um, but this is a year before Sunis returns to Scotland and and David Murray take over at Rangers Um, but I I found that amazing even in a in a time when you had 32 players on the pitch, you know, I think if we looked at probably the 1989 game between Scotland and England, there was probably about, ha- I don't know, we'll need to check, but probably about a quarter of the, the, the participants of the 22 being from Scotland and England. Yeah. Uh, yeah and from I think Rangers even. No, the, obviously, they're from Scotland and England. The, but we're not all, Rangers are the best players, not all English. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that's the point. Yes. I think uh, as well, it, the... the Whenever you think of Scotland England games, you always think of that. That anytime Scotland wins, and I mean, even the, in the commentary, there's a slightly like patronising. I'm not sure who it is that does co-coms with with John Watson, but there's a Jimmy Hill. Pat, is it, it Jimmy Hill? Hill? Is it? Well, there's the Scotland have this you know fire in their bellies, and they're really up for this, and this uh, idea that anytime Scotland perform well against England, it's because you know they're 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 up for it. It's our belly than, fire. Well, yeah, exactly. Belly fire. Like Scotland at that stage have players playing in the eighth best team. In, so the 1985 uh, ranking, club rankings in Europe, they've got players from the eighth best team in Europe, the 13th best team in Europe, the 26th best team in Europe. And the, the, the eighth best team in Europe were Dundee United, the tw- <laughs> 13th were Aberdeen, and the 26th were Celtic. So that doesn't include the guys that are playing for Man United, Chelsea, or Sampdoria. It, like the... And, and when you compare it to like the, the England team, where obviously it's a really good team, it's got Glenn Hoddle, it's got Barry, uh, Brian Robson, um, you know, players that, that like all all time greats. Um, I prefer if I had Barry Robson to be fair. <laughs> um, like all time, it's got all time greats in it. But the the, the English defence, it's got you know Ar- Arsenal players who were a, at that point a, a mid table side. QPR and Ipswich had only avoided relegation by a point. Um, and the fact that there was Liverpool and Everton games on at that point, like Liverpool playing in the Champions League, well, in the European Cup, as it was, uh, sorry, uh, final a couple of days later in the, the, the Heysel, unfortunately, it was a, a couple of days later, actually robbed Scotland of four, possibly even five squad members, whereas there weren't any regular in England internationals who, who were part of the Liverpool squad for the, the European Cup final. So I think it kind of shows the comparatively Scotland the Scotland 11 was fantastic the Scotland squad was probably the best it ever was and I would argue that the 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 the, the resources both uh, international sides could could call on were at least equal 
I'd agree with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, well, it doesn't look like the best of the game. But also, Scotland. No. According to the highlights, Scotland's first chance was this goal. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the opening lines of uh, one of the match reports was: the weather was constantly foul, the chants were often obscene, the violence at times sickening, and the match was for the most part a mess. Still, one get it right, up, right up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Okay, well, can we uh, what uh, can we talk about um, Roy Aitken avoiding <laughs> the most stick-on yellow card slash red that has ever existed? Uh, it's not. It's not red. It's definitely not red. There's defenders back. He's not. It's not. A clear, I, I, yeah, but it's not it's a clear so and obvious goal scorer opportunity. Yeah, it's blatant, but it doesn't. It doesn't like smash him down. It's just like a blatant foul, which under the rules is only a yellow card. Yeah, and but it is. It is mental that he doesn't get a booking for it. It is one of those like no chance you'll see that. It is the no chance you'll see that nowadays moment of the match. Yeah. Uh, the and. Fact- and- I mean, it's good. It's good for so many reasons. It's like Viv Anderson's breaking, and is clearly like he's he's got before the uh, like he's broken beyond the field. He's like running in on goal, and yes, there are uh, you know the, there are defenders in the way, but he has run sort of seventy yards with the ball and is looking incredibly dangerous. Roy just goes through the back of him, but it's like it's absolute violence, and the and the fact that apparently the referee you don't see it from the pictures, but the referee has his yellow card out ready to book him and Roy Aitken talks him down from no I don't really not a big man I don't deserve a yellow for that act of wanton violence and he doesn't give it different times this was Scotland's first win over England at Hamden in nine years though we had won twice at Wembley in the time between it's Scotland's last victory over England that wasn't actually a defeat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we beat them in 1999. That's the only other yeah. Scotland victory yeah. since then. But we actually lost because we had to win we two. Ab- the thing is, we absolutely hammered them in that game in 99. Like we should, like yeah. it should have been way more than than one nil. But um, but even yeah, there was 34 shots and 20 of them were for England. But again, when you see the standard of uh, England's attacks, like it didn't really seem uh, too much. Um, and then the, the goal from Scotland was like. Peter Shelton's a crap keeper, eh? Like, just, uh, <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was, it just stood still. Like, he didn't, didn't even jump to attempt to save uh, Goff's uh, header, which was kind of in slow motion as well. But yeah. it was a good cross from Jim Bett. Yeah, I mean, Jim Bett is kind of, I think, kind of under underappreciated a little bit because of the players that were around at that time. Like, I know, I only got, is Aberdeen fan? Yeah. But he wasn't, but he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't at Aberdeen at this point. He was at yeah, Lockerin. Yeah, he was at Lockerin, the second, his second spell at Lockerin. Um, and I think, amazing that he, like, a really odd career path where he you know, went, played in Iceland, came back, played for Rangers, or went to, no, I think went to Iceland, went to Lockerin, came back to play for Rangers, went back to play for Lockerin, and hadn't yet played for Aberdeen at this point. But, um, but like from from midfield from Aberdeen, he he had like a goal every eight games or something like that. It was was it like just a, an incredibly silky footballer? Um, but for for Scotland, obviously, I think had twenty caps, fifteen caps, something like that. Didn't, but obviously, Scotland blessed. He was, the thing is, Jim Beck was not. He, he was not a worker. <laughs> like his the thing yeah. was his te- his technique was, uh, uh, and his uh, passing was so good. I think he was potentially a, a tad complacent uh, about uh, 
putting a shift in, basically. Yeah, I mean, especially laterally. I think at that point, and it, like was was a bit more all action, but certainly would have would have uh, would have thrived in the modern game, sitting in front of a back four and pinging ball, like showing Charlie Adam up for work rate. <laughs> um, but yeah, like a fantastic way to play from him. I, I think you're right. I think the Shilton's has a had a really we- odd for a goalkeeper had a really odd weakness for balls going over his head. And <laughs> not like I don't know if it. I don't know if he's as small as he looks comparatively for a goalkeeper. But um, seems he's as small quite, minded as he looks. He he is as a, he is as as uh, things go over his head. In real life, uh, as often as they seem to, uh, metaphorically. It's his opinions are about as good as his penalty saving technique. Quite. He's mm. as, as, as vulnerable to being a prick as he is to a Richard Goff looping header. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about David Speedy. So he played in this game, one of only 10 caps he won for Scotland. Interesting career in that he was born in Glenrothes but played his entire career in England. And a hero at he played fucking shitloads of clubs. Uh, the old stupid dad joke—he had more clubs than Tiger Woods. He played. He was a hero though at Coventry, and very kind of fondly remembered at Chelsea as well for a kind of undersized striker. He was brilliant in the air, a real kind of battler. Not a not a tremendous scoring rate, but fairly decent. Kind of one every three, kind of one every four, that type of thing. Very hard worker, uh, but he didn't completely uh, disappear from the public eye after his retirement. In 2015, he was awarded €85,000 in damages from a defamation case against the Sunday World, which is an Irish paper, after they printed an article uh, that suggested he was... He, he had a connection to criminals, basically, and was involved in smuggling or transportation of drugs. Uh, there was also had a second article where they... <laughs> so they, they've got this in-depth article that they, they, they're in court defending, and they've also got a second article where the headline is Speedy the Snake, and it's a picture of David Speed holding a snake. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't really argue this in a grown-up fashion if that's your second article. <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of papers, the, uh, the, the Mirror didn't take this result very well as the back page next day was Robson must go <laughs> which they continue which in English tabloids they continued for the next four years so if next five years even <laughs> so that, that's fine and then they fondly remember them once they're gone once they're gone like um but I was going to say the, the one thing that um that I found interesting when I went through sort of a Wikipedia uh rabbit hole was the referee was French Michel uh Voltot. Now, he might be familiar to some fans in Scotland because he was the referee that was bribed by Roma in oh, wow. the UEFA Cup uh, ahead of the game against Dun United. And he's also the referee that was responsible for eight minutes of stoppage time during the World Cup semi-final in 1990 between, uh, in the semi-final between Italy and Argentina. Um, so yeah, eight minutes, they played 23 minutes uh, of a first half of extra time because uh, he forgot to look at his watch. <laughs> <laughs> and they right. say that standards and refereeing has gone down. <laughs> it's definitely not. Yeah. Uh, the one other thing I was going to add about Speedy was that he, hit the, he was in the headlines in December 2007 uh, for uh, 
Turning the air blue, I think, was the, the, the headline that the tabloids feasted on in an appearance on Chelsea TV, where he just constantly swore through the entire broadcast. <laughs> I, I, scenes, I, scenes we like to see. I yeah. saw two different reports on it, but they must have been done. It must have been done by, by like, uh, like a, a news agency, because it was the exact same article. And I was disappointed because I really wanted to find out what some of the quotes were, but it didn't have any quotes. I really wanted to just see, like, in an article, like, Speedy said... <laughs> Drogba's a diving cunt or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was desperate to find something like that, but alas, I couldn't. Still a so tough love, tough luck. Right, has anybody got anything else? Was that us? No, it's yes. just always nice to beat the English. Yes. Yeah, there's even actually going to be a... Even if I wasn't born by that stage. Yeah, there's a series that we're going to start running on the Patreon very soon. In fact, the first episode should be up tomorrow, uh, Friday. And that is... It's, it's going to be called Let's All Laugh at England. And it is going through each of their tournament exits and uh, at the end uh, after we've done one podcast and each exit uh, they will then be ranked in order of how funny they are we one are podcast very... for each one podcast for each exit that's going to take us up to about what 2024 <laughs> we are we are sad and petty men and that is good that we, this is acknowledged it's each yep. exit in our lifetime so it's starting in 1996 <laughs> oh, oh that's a, that's a bit of a dismount for Shorten could start much earlier. And me. It's good on the podcast with as, uh, as, youngsters Craig and Graham. As, a, as someone who vaguely remembers this Rouse Cup game. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget how old you are, Tom. It's always a surprise. Yeah, there's a painting of me in an attic getting really ugly. <laughs> right, that'll do. Thanks very much for listening. And like I say, I just talked about that. If you want to hear more about England being unhappy, and fuck it, we all do, surely, uh, then head over to patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast for as little as $2 a month. Uh, you can get hours of free content, and although that England podcast will be going on the, the $5 tier, but you get even more stuff then, so why not go to that one instead? And I think that's pretty much it. If you want to get in touch with us, Twitter's the best place for it. At terrace podcast is the handle, and that's us. Duncan, say goodbye. Goodbye. Tom, say goodbye. Bye. And I'm Craig Fowler saying goodbye. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.